Hello, I'm with Bick Lee, uh, Digital Media Officer for the RNC, and that's the Royal National College for the Blind. Have I got that right? Because I keep yes. messing up in the emails that we had to each other. No, that is correct. Um, we are the Royal National College for the Blind, and a lot of people get us mixed up with the Royal National Institute for the Blind, that's which right. is not an educational organisation. Right, OK. Clear distinction. Um, we, You came along to one of our workshops last year, um, and that's how we met. We started talking about accessibility on social media, and I thought that'd be a really interesting topic to dive into, um, because accessibility on the web is something as as rather preventive. We're web developers. We deal with that. Um, it's a small part of our job in terms of what our clients want, but it's very important, potentially for a lot of our clients or their customers. So I really want to dig into that and find out a little bit more. But before we do, um, tell me a little bit about the RNC. Okay, so um, the RNC is the UK's leading further educational college for people with visual impairment. So it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, so basically, um, visual impairment is the PC term for anyone who's got any sort of eye condition. So if you're not sure um, and you don't want to offend anyone, saying visually impaired is acceptable and it can cover anything from partially sighted all the way to totally blind. Mm -hmm. Um so as a college, we offer academic and vocational courses, um, but our unique selling point is the fact that we are residential and we provide mobility and independent living skills for our students um, to take with them so they can be independent when they leave us. Um, so there are a lot of examples of things that you take for granted every day every day as a sighted person and it can even be things like if you're making a cup of tea and um, some of our students might not have ever done that before. Mm -hmm. um, so it's teaching them things like that, teaching them how to make their own breakfast, make their own beds, do their laundry and things. And there's a lot of things that you might have seen your mum and dad doing when you were younger and you've unconsciously just picked up on how to do that. Even things like crossing the road yeah. um, and you know that okay, the the man goes green, so I cross the road now. But if you can't see the man, how do you know when to cross? Um, and there's a lot of basic skills that we teach our students, as well as, um, obviously, the academic mm -hmm. and vocational qualifications that they leave us with. So it's a very important um, organisation. How, how long has the RNC been going for? 144 years wow. in March. Okay. So as digital media officer, what's your role? So my role is digital media within the marketing team. Marketing is quite a key area for us because we're not like a mainstream college. So with a mainstream sixth form college, for example, you'd have a catchment area and people living within a 20 mile radius of your college would automatically come to you anyway. Mm. Whereas because we're the Royal National College for the Blind, um, we recruit students from all over the country. So they have to be funded from their local authorities. Um, and obviously local authorities want to spend as little money as possible and keep money in county. So sometimes our students do have to battle their local authorities um, to get funding to come here. Um, and also the fact that we take students from the age of 16. Mm. So that means for parents, they've got to make the decision to send their child, you know, across the country, living away from home, um, which is difficult in itself. But the fact that they're visually impaired yeah. on top of that um, is a difficult decision. So my job as digital media officer is to share all the experiences of our current students um, on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on the website. And it's just really for parents and young people to see what our students get up to and think, oh, that could be me in a year's time. Um, so as well as the student recruitment bit, 
our job is trying to change people's perceptions mm. of visual impairment. And I think people have um, something in their heads that they, because technically we're a charity, people go, oh, poor little blind kids. And it's it's really horrible because it's difficult for our students. They're perfectly capable. You know, they, they come here, they do A-levels, they do MVQs, they do BTECs, um, and they just need things adapted so that they can understand the information because it it may be that they'll have a document printed in normal text and they can't see it and all they need is for that to be enlarged to you know font size 24 and then they can understand it perfectly that's right you gave me an example of a student who um found it difficult in mainstream school because they weren't supplied with um the bath books that were high enough um fonts point size to be able to read them and it's not that they weren't capable in any way um, they just found that they, what did you say, they were given the um, details too late in the, in the yeah, lesson and they missed out on a lot of time. Yeah, it can be like that, unfortunately, because it may be during the lesson that the teacher changes the plan mm. like 10 minutes before the lesson and they can easily run off 30 copies of a normal sized document, but then to go through the hassle of going back on the computer and enlarging it and reformatting it sometimes they can't be bothered and then that'll have to be done by an admin assistant during the lesson yeah. so then the student might not get it until 45 minutes into an hour lesson so that's difficult do you think tablets would help with that because it's um, it's possible to um hopefully if they've written it the right way to make adjustments to the size or or color of things so all of our students access things in different ways so they have um different preferred working mediums and the example we gave earlier was someone who might like size 24 um a misconception that people have is that every blind person can read braille mm. so that's obviously not true i think um something like about 59% of our students currently are learning braille some have already completed braille and some are on the waiting list to learn it so we're the only right. place in the country that offers braille as a BTEC qualification so one of the most exciting things that I've worked on since I've been at the RNC is our ICANN awareness campaign so it was basically a series of our students saying what they can do not what they can't um and it was, I suppose, challenging people's perceptions of people with visual impairment. Mm -hmm. And some of them were, I can perform. And that was Zizi, one of our performing arts students. Because we get students coming to us saying, oh, you, you can't do drama because you might fall off the stage. So the stage at RNC doesn't exist because it's just a flat floor. Yeah. Is that the one um, we looked at? The um... That's one of them. Yeah. 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 It makes sense, really, to avoid those obstacles. So yeah. that's... um. But this is just going through various different things and proving that people can, you know, visual, visual impairments can just do the same as everyone else. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the other I can campaigns we had, we had I can go to university because um, one of our students who left last year was actually told before he came to us that he would never be able to go to university because he wouldn't be able to write essays because he was blind. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so is that write um, them in the way they wanted to or just no just because he'd been partially sighted for a long time oh. and then he'd lost okay. all of his useful vision and had to go from reading large print to mm -hmm. using a screen reader mm -hmm. um, and they said he wouldn't be able to write essays that's ridiculous. Um, so now he's at his first year at university and he's loving it. He's proved them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had I Can Network, which basically we are Europe's only Cisco networking academy for people with visual impairment. Mm -hmm. 
So um, we do CCNA 1, CCNA 2, which are recognised international qualifications. Um, one of our students who did the ICANN network, Kieran, has just been offered um, a 10-week work placement with Cisco. And hopefully... Oh, That's good. Yeah, so hopefully he will get a job at the end of that, which is basically another one of those things where um, you don't necessarily need to go to uni to get mm. qualified because it is like... Um, a condensed version of a graduate placement scheme. Right. We also had um, a student called Yasser and his was I Can Belong. And it was literally because we have students coming to us who um, may have lost their sight later on in life. Sometimes their friends don't believe them. They get bullied. Um, they get left out of the social friends groups. friends don't believe them. Yeah. We've had... That's happened more than a few times oh, wow. where um, students... Um, say that their friends thought that they were exaggerating their eye conditions to get attention so they got so they got into fights and then fell out with mm. everyone dropped out of school things like that so um it's terrible it is terrible so um at somewhere like rnc everyone can belong mm. it's about helping kids get out there and and trying different things but also sh sharing that with other people sharing these stories so that, yeah. so that people are educated on it mm. um well moving on for that i mean that that's great so that's worked out really well yeah, yeah, it's been really good. We've got lots of attention from that. What, what's come of it? It has been really good. I think it's um, it is things like just raising awareness with current students, their families, mm. and potential students, and families phoning up saying, "Oh, I saw the ICAN campaign, and I saw this person." And the whole idea of it is, we had thirteen different ICAN students, and it's hopefully means that. Every person sitting at home with a visual impairment can relate to at yeah. least one of those ICANN students. You also mentioned you're on Radio 1. Yes, like I don't like to brag, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> no, this of, is pretty cool. Yeah, one of the most exciting things that I did last year was um, I was just in my office one day and heard a bang at the door and two of my students went, oh, is Bic in here? And um, they said, oh, guess what? We've got on Radio 1. And I was like, really? And they were like, can you... And it was literally Wednesday afternoon. And they said, can you come to London with us on mm. Friday um, for their Feet Up Friday segment with Greg James? And it was the penultimate Feet Up Friday. So they literally had that week or the next week to be on it. Otherwise, the segment ended and they'd mm. never get to be on Radio 1. So um, I got to go with them. Um, and yeah, we were live to, I think it was about 5 million listeners which was amazing well, i don't get quite get that many listeners but that's <laughs> well, that's that's impressive it is yeah. and i think and a good experience for them as well to go and do you know go on something and do something different absolutely mm. yeah because i think in mainstream college you'd never get signed off to spend the day at a radio studio but i think on top of just um them enjoying the experience of being at radio one it was an experience um in their independence really because they were the ones that had um pestered the radio station mm. every week for about six really? months to try and get on but also they were the ones that booked the train tickets um and i didn't even know you could do this you can book assistance at the train station so especially if you've got connecting trains mm. and you have to go from one platform to another and you've only got 20 minutes to do it so you when you book your train tickets you can book assistance um and they'll drive you on one of their little golf cart type things yeah. um, and they'll take you around the service entrance so you don't have to be around the hustle and bustle of everyone and they'll take you straight to your platform. Mm -hmm. I could do with that sometimes. I get quite <laughs> lost on train stations. So they organise it all themselves? Yes. That's pretty cool. A good day. Um, now, 
I'm quite I'm quite interested in the accessibility side of things on the website. And you said that um, when was it last year that you redeveloped the RNC website? Yeah. Um, and a lot of challenges involved with that. Can you tell me a little Absolutely. bit more about that, particularly the okay. accessibility and how you got? Okay, so when I came to the RNC, I hadn't had any experience of accessibility at all. So it was a really really steep learning curve for me. Um, within a couple of months, they were like, we need to build a new website because our bespoke website that we had at the time um, was not fulfilling our requirements. Um, It wasn't user-friendly. And then when things went live... um, our students couldn't access it easily. Mm. Um, We should actually backtrack a little bit and maybe can you define accessibility from your point of view? It's about including as many people Mm. as you can um, into being able to access all the content on your website and not excluding people because they may have um, different requirements. Mm -hmm. So um, the beginning of it was literally just a massive research task and it was speaking to different people. So I spoke with a range of our stakeholders. So I spoke to some parents, I spoke to some current students, some staff, um, all with varying levels of sight. Um, And and it is things like when we had a mock-up of the... um, the website, um, we had a focus group. Mm -hmm. So every month we'd meet up and we'd discuss what had happened and things. And I'd be like, oh, um, in the meantime, can you test this? Um, And things like that. And one of the things that I found really interesting was when I was like, oh, well, what size font should we be going for? And I was like, okay, we'll have standard, we'll have large, extra large and extra, extra large. And then I met up with one of our students who has, um, she's had a brain tumour, so she has um, an eye condition that's not recognised because it's Mm -hmm. due to the brain tumour, so it's not actually got a name title. But she has what you call tunnel vision, Mm -hmm. so it is literally like looking through something like a little bit bigger than a pinhole, and you you have no peripheral vision, and you can Mm. literally just see through that tiny bit of text. So she likes um, font size 8, which I've never experienced anyone even so she wants cited. It smaller. Yeah, as small as possible. Because the thing is, the bigger the text, the more she has to move yeah, her okay, head yes. across a page. So we used to say it would be easier for her to have her text on a post-it note mm. because that's as far so she wouldn't have to move her head and she could just read down the text. Yeah. So she said on the website she would prefer actually to have um smaller um sizes yeah, other smaller than normal. font sizes on there now i noticed on the website you can actually adjust those on there you can now yeah. th- this is i know in my web browser i use a mac and safari i can adjust the size of it there I, I guess you can do that on ie it's a long time since i used a pc what's the need for actually putting that adjustment on the website in the website's user interface as well as i mean for most people most people who use computers will have them set up to their own preferences right. and if they use accessibility software it'll be built onto their computer mm. so they can make websites more accessible but um some of our audience um who are new to computers perhaps might not know that and they might not know what their preference is and i think just adding the accessibility buttons making it being able to make the font bigger Mm. um, and things like color contrast is also quite an important thing because depending on your eye condition you might perhaps some students don't like reading things with a white background because of the glare so you can invert colors and things like that i think that's the same for a lot of other people i mean if you've got a very high contrast difference between uh, the the uh, back of the page and and or the background sorry and the text that can make it difficult to read and i think just for anyone if you can reduce that contrast a a little bit not too much it's good to have contrast but not too much 
So we've mentioned a little bit about screen readers. So you can buy software on your computer, which basically read out everything on your screen mm -hmm. for you. Um, or things like Apple have got their own voiceover. But what it means is for someone who can't see anything on the screen, if they have a big, massive chunk of text, they don't have the benefit of being able to skim through all of that. So what is useful for them is if you put headings in mm. and you mark them as headings and they can set um, their screen reader to just skip through the headings so that they can go to the relevant page that they want to go to. Um, the other thing is hyperlinks um, because I think it's it's quite common for people even now to still write the words click here yeah. as a hyperlink. Um, and even for a sighted person, that is quite frustrating. If you're on a page and it's got 10 links that say click here and you've got to read the whole sentence anyway, for a screen reader um, to literally go down the page and say click here, click here, click here, click here, you don't know what you're clicking on. Yeah, because on. It's, it's reading it out to you. It's just reading yeah. out this click here, click here. It's not giving you any um, context really. No, it was particularly annoying from from a sighted person point of view. I mean, it's it's it doesn't tell the user where they're going to go when they click here. It's just it's just an invitation. Um, it's so, similar to read more, but I think read more at least helps because you've just had a paragraph of text and maybe the read more is going to take you somewhere. It's it's slightly more intuitive. Yeah, I mean, my advice for that would literally be if it was read more about our psychology course. Yeah highlight the whole sentence mm -hmm. not just read more just the read more bit yeah. so yeah you, we also talked before about you, you said accessibility doesn't mean you need to compromise on the look and the style of the website which i i completely agree with whether i think some people feel that that will ruin the design and actually having to think about those considerations is is not going to help the design but I, I think it can actually help people everyone not just um, visually impaired yeah because i mean sometimes you go on websites which are designed by people who don't know anything about visual impairment and they will just make everything massive um they'll use no color background um nothing and it'll just be literally black massive text mm. on white background and they'll say that's accessible but obviously it doesn't look nice um no and i think this works for um one of the things in web design at the moment in fact has been for many years is responsive design where you can have a website uh, on a, a desktop screen, um, which when you shrink it down to a, desk, um, a mobile device, will um, the content will reflow to fit. And I mean, that is a form of accessibility in a way because yes. you're, you're making it work for different devices. So taking it one step further, how does it work with, is it JAWS, the, yeah. uh, the um, screen reader? So how does it work with the screen reader JAWS or, or how does actually Apple's own Safari web browser read out that text? Is everything, uh, is everything correctly... Um, annotated so that it can read it correctly and it makes sense as it scans through. So for a JAWS user, um, JAWS is the most popular brand of screen reader. And basically, if the text is not responsive, it doesn't really matter because it will still read it. Mm -hmm. It's more for someone who um, still has some sight and is scrolling. Yeah. And it is for a sighted person and anyone with a visual impairment that if you're holding a mobile phone that's slim and um, there's a list and it doesn't automatically drop down mm -hmm. as a list yes. and you have to literally scroll across the page um, on every sentence, that's not 
that's not accessible for anyone. No, it's not usable for anyone. And actually, coming back to the screen reader, I um, I was just showing you earlier about the the one built into Apple, um, which I use, which I set up, and I'll put a link in the notes for this um, recording. And it's quite cool. If I want to just kick back and listen to a podcast, um, a podcast that um, I mean, a blog post that I've um, I found. You, there's a, a setting, an accessibility setting, where you can, I think it's drag two or three fingers. It's a little bit complicated, but I'll, I'll put the instructions in. Um, but once you know how to do it, you can then have um, the phone read out the blog post to you, which is, and it reads it out pretty well, has a, has a good idea of how the language is going to work. So that can be useful for anyone. Your opinion on alt text, I, it's something we struggle a lot with when getting content from clients. They supply a lot of images, and often they might... Um, well, A, they might supply the image, image with the original camera name, which is not particularly helpful. No. But also, they don't provide any description about what they want that image to be. So you would have to look through every single image to work out what's, what's in there. Um, the way I look at alt text is that it's how you describe the picture to someone over the phone, or at least someone who can't see it. What's yeah. what's your opinion of alt text and how is it still useful um, on websites Absolutely, now? Absolutely, very useful. Um, I think your description about um, describing what you can see to someone over the phone is perfect. Um, I'll give an example of bad alt text. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing research for building our new website, I got a lot of um, sales people emailing going oh you know we can um put accessibility on top of your website you know and they gave an example and in their news story section the news story headline was um president and prime minister secure deal Mm -hmm. or something and in the photo you looked at the alt text and the alt text was president and prime minister secure deal Mm -hmm. right which would be fine apart from in the photo it was a photo of um this president and a prime minister standing in front of a plane shaking hands so really that's not useful alt text because really the phrase a picture tells a thousand words if you're visually impaired and you can't see the picture you're missing out on a thousand words worth of alt text not that you should write a thousand words in alt text but it is just um, more of a description and perhaps say the name of the president, the name of the prime minister and say they're, um, they've just touched down at blah, blah, blah airport standing in front of an aeroplane, shaking hands and smiling, mm. something like that. And it's just adding a little bit more um, yeah, it's a, little, a, a, little, a literal description, really, yeah. as to what's going on. Now, there's, you've mentioned something um, similar to this uh, with regard to Facebook and uh, accessibility in Facebook. Okay. Uh, it was about how uh, naming Facebook images when you post them. Yeah. So um, sometimes you go on Facebook and there'll be um, a load of photos and people will make comments about them. But if you're visually impaired and you can't see the image, you're only going on what people are writing photos of. And I would give the example of um, once a an organisation just put, looks like it's going to be a great day mm. and had an image and... As someone with a vision impairment, you've got no idea of what that image is. And yeah. then you've got people commenting, go, oh, great, hope you have a great time and things like that. And you don't know what they're talking about when they're commenting on that photo. Exactly. It's out of context. If you knew what was in the image, then you'd have a good idea about what they're talking about. Yeah. And how do you get around that on your um, Facebook page? So on our personal um so on the RNC Facebook page, um, we do very detailed photo descriptions. So we would do the little caption mm-hmm. um, saying, looks like it's going to be a great day, exclamation mark. And then at the bottom, 
we put photo description and then we'd say print screen of weather app Whatever saying it that be, it's yeah. going to be 27 degrees or something right. like that. So quite that. specific. Um, yeah. yeah, and then saying photo taken in Lyon, France yeah. or something because the photo might have been taken during a French ex- exchange trip. And that's just regular text. That's nothing, I mean, as far as I know, Facebook doesn't have a, an alt text for its images. So no. you're just putting this under within your comment, but just underneath the, yeah. the, the broad I think comment. Because Facebook don't give the box that specifically says alt text, mm. I think people don't think to put it in. Yeah. Um, and it is literally just at the, I'll write my caption at the bottom, put photo description. If you're cited, you know you don't need to read that. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading that via a screen reader, then you can read it and know what's going on yeah, in the Yeah, it's going to be more helpful. And actually, looking at one of the examples that you uh, shared with me, it gives you more, it gives even the sighted person more um, information about what's going on because you can actually put people's names in there and you can highlight some of the information that actually yeah. doesn't come across in the image because you're not allowed to tag people or you know, you're not allowed to use the Facebook mechanism for that. Um, now, just going along the lines of social media again, you also mentioned, and I think this is what got me interested to begin with, about using too many hashtags on Twitter and how that yeah. can impact people. So um, with hashtags, I would only use them if it's relevant, because you'll see some people just hashtagging every single word. And as a sighted person, it's annoying. But as someone with a visual impairment, it's it's even more annoying. Because an example would be um, having a hashtag great, hashtag time, hashtag at, hashtag Barcelona, hashtag beach, hashtag summer, hashtag holiday. And people actually tweet things like that. But for... Someone I've actually got I've, I've actually got something like that on my t-shirt. Yeah. I thought it would be funny for you. This hashtag this, hashtag is, hashtag not, hashtag what, hashtag hashtags, hashtag are, hashtag for. Yeah, I'll take a picture and, and post it to everyone. That but is it's, brilliant. It's, it's that sort of thing. I saw someone tweet that, um, ironically. But yeah. it's, it's exactly that. You do find a lot of people, actually the comment they have to say is very small. And the rest yeah. of it is built up of these hashtags that are unnecessary. And they're unnecessary and... It just makes me want to unfollow people, yeah. to be honest. Um, so imagine what that's like if your screen reader is reading at each one of these. It's just painful. Yeah, because the screen reader will recognise each hashtag as a link. Yeah. So it will be like, open link, hashtag this. Open link, hashtag is. Open link, hashtag not. And it will literally do that for everyone. And also, <laughs> if you're adding a load of people in it as well, it'll do exactly the same thing and just read out everybody that you've added in your tweet. But oddly, both so, of those things, for me, I find irritating anyway. Because yeah. I, you know, I have not, I didn't, I found that fascinating and, and I didn't think about it, that it would come across like that to someone using a screen reader. But of course it would. But even when I'm looking at it, it, you get these people tweeting with no substance to it, yeah. uh, and it's it's almost irritating. So it, it sort of works both ways. Yes, don't don't use lots of hashtags. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> um, right now, that's great. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by accessibility. It's something that I find um, not complicated. It's 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 a good discussion to have with with clients, certainly early on, because it often requires a little bit of additional preparation in terms of what how they're putting together their content. Absolutely. Like, my advice is always build a website with accessibility in mind from the beginning mm. because it's not something you can just add afterwards. Like, because you mentioned before about responsive design, um, and if you do mobile first and you design your web page to 
be built on a mobile and then for it to be expanded yeah. later on, then that's great. Whereas if you think about it afterwards, it's really difficult to add in later on. Yeah, that's right. Very, very difficult. And in fact, um, in Safari, I think you may have to turn the developer mode on, but there is a way, and I think other um, Internet Explorer has this, you can disable images and disable styles. And so by doing that, you can get a, an appreciation of what, it, what your website might look like um, without... Um, if you if you won't be able to see it properly, you won't be able to see the images. And I think there are actually um, website conversion programs that will try and give you a text-only version of your website, and that okay. really gives you an idea about when it's read out as text, whether it's going to make any sense. Okay. I'll see if I can find a link for one and add it to the notes. Um, so just to finish off, what two marketing tips have you um, got? You know, learning after building the website, and they don't have to be related to accessibility. My first marketing tip as a digital media officer is if you're going to do digital, enjoy it and do it properly mm. because I think it's called social media. It's not boring media. Yeah. So you look at people who do Twitter, do Facebook for the sake of it because they hear the buzzword and they think they need to be doing it. Yeah. But if, you're, if you don't know why you're doing it, you don't enjoy it, um, your posts are boring, they're too salesy, you're not getting anything out of it and you're you're wasting your time people aren't going to follow you um so there's no and you've got no plan in place you just use the same post on loads of different channels you don't understand your different audiences on the different channels yeah. um and if you're going to do it like that probably best not to bother don't get off yeah. yeah i mean it's difficult because some people the boss will say we need to get on social media we need to do that they go on a training course you know they know technically how to do it but until they understand what is relevant for their company, who they're trying to talk to, why they're doing it. And actually, that social media is just another way to talk to people. I mean, there's mm. lots of different ways. Social media is, is just one of them. Until they get that, which could be through trial and error, then it's they're going to find it hard work. So I, I appreciate some people have put in that position and that it's forced upon them. Yeah. But again, you're right. If you can find some way of enjoying it, some, some way that even if you work for a really uh, a company that may may put out quite simple, boring products. There must be some way that they can, they can use that, uh, that channel to, to talk to people in an interesting and fun way. But you have yeah. to have the right people driving that. Absolutely. Um, so my second tip, sort of related, is understanding your sector and understanding your competitors. And I, it sounds obvious to keep up to date with what's going on with your competitors mm. and what's going on within your industry. Um, but I don't know how many people actually take the time to go out, research what's happening. Um, from a digital point of view, certainly, um, I look at other charities, other specialist colleges, other mainstream colleges, other universities, um, and see what they're doing. It's good to be kept in the loop, and it gives you ideas and inspiration of um, what you should be doing in the future. And how do you go about doing that? Do you just search on Google? Do you have um, set up Google alerts so when they come up in the media you can find out what's going on? Um, I mean, I have Google alerts set up for things like visually impaired teenager, mm. sight loss, partially sighted, things like that. But um, even just making it blatant on Twitter or myself and all the other specialist colleges we mm. follow each other so it just comes up on your newsfeed. um i use hootsuite um and i categorize all of my contacts into lists so i'll put education um in one list right, and just okay. go down and see so what it's very easy up to, to. to follow those messages yeah that's a good yeah. idea so you can keep up to date on it does that also help you produce content for your 
social media. So if you come across interesting articles, you can share them or, or maybe um, take some of those, as you, not take them as your own articles, but use them as an influence to, to write your own articles or I think sometimes, I mean, if it's just an ask one, I think it's good, then I'll share it Mm -hmm. on our Twitter. Um, But there are other things like you can be aware of other campaigns. Um, An example is the charity Scope did a hashtag end the awkward. Mm. And they had quite a lot of um, different people with different disabilities saying um, what awkward situations they'd been in and what people should be doing instead. Because I think when people discriminate against people with disabilities, it's not because they're doing it on purpose. It's almost because they don't know. Um, So I was following that hashtag and looking around. And then I thought, actually, that's a really good thing for us to get involved in. So I put out um, a call to our students and staff. um, And one of our staff members, who's our receptionist, um, she came back and she said, oh, I'd like to do a blog. Mm -hmm. So she ended up doing a blog which was entitled I'm Blind, Not Stupid um, and just detailed some of the things, some of the things that people had said to her that were just silly. Yeah, and it's good. I think really if you want to have an appreciation for um, various different people, you've really got to surround yourself with with that and and listen to other people's points of view, regardless of whether it's to do with um, visual impairment or anything really if you if you want to understand the market or an audience you need to surround yourself with them um cool thank you very much um i just want to mention the website for rnc is um rnc.ac.uk that is Is correct and you've got an official twitter account which is at rnc underscore official yes um Um, we do we do share the uh same initials as the republican national committee so unfortunately we do get a lot of tweets about what a an idiot Donald Trump is, yeah. so I immediately block everyone that does that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want lots of fun stuff and um, stories, I hate using the word inspirational to describe our students because I think they're just normal people just yeah. getting on with their lives and I think um, that their stories are just amazing and I think if you want to hear about things like that, then definitely follow at rnc underscore official. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at Bic underscore Lee, which is B-I-K underscore L-E-E. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only really tweet pictures of animals and stories about dogs running half marathons. Oh, right. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know if you heard of that. No, I haven't. Um, there's a dog called Ludovine in America who um, the owner takes Ludovine out. She goes for a wee and then goes for a wander around the neighborhood and then comes back normally like half an hour later yeah. and then after a couple of hours the owner realised that Ludovine hadn't come back turns out Ludovine had gone to the starting line of a half marathon <laughs> completed the half marathon and came seventh oh wow and people were taking photos of Ludovine and sending it to the owner no I've not heard of so... that can you send me the story I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll include absolutely. it in the notes. yeah that sounds quite, quite a fun one um, yeah. anything else you'd like to promote no, I think that's it. Well, good. Okay. Thank you very so, much. Really thanks, good to speak to you. And uh, I'll put any links and anything that we've mentioned in the notes. That'd Should... be brilliant. Thanks, Bic. Thank you.